All right, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. I still say turn. You may have a phone or something. As we're getting to Matthew chapter 6, we've been in a series called Mindset, and it's about having the mind of the kingdom of God. A message and a word that is in 61 times, I think it is, in the gospel. 85 if you count the number of overlaps in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's about having the, the mind of the king, the, the mind of the kingdom. And Jesus knew something in Matthew chapter 6. He knew something about us. Maybe not all of us, but he knew something about some of us, which is some of us in the room probably get concerned every now and again about our needs being met. Am I completely off base, but is there anyone in the room that can say that at times in your life, you become concerned by the bills, the things going on with the kids, sort of these needs and necessities of life. Anybody that sound familiar with? Feel like upon occasion I've been known. In fact, you might even say that upon occasion you've been known to worry. To be anxious. And so then God comes to us through this word delivered through Jesus. And he, he says this. He says, don't, don't be anxious. And you're like, well, how am I not supposed to be anxious? And he explains in Matthew chapter 6 that the reason we're not supposed to be anxious is because you're loved by God. Do you know that? It really starts there. you got to know that you're loved by God. He says that if I love you, you know what? There are some birds out there, and they're not worried about what's going on. And there's some lilies out there, and they're not worried about the economy or the job situation in Chester or whatever it may be. And he says, don't you think that if I will take care of them, I'll take care of you? And then the verse I'm trying to get to is this. It is verse 32 and 33. Matthew chapter 6. For the Gentiles, that would have been us, Eagerly seek all these things. Just real quick, let me stop there. How much of your life is spent being consumed by taking care of what you will eat and what you will wear and where you are sheltered? Mm. Let me just ask that question one more time because you might not have been ready for it. All right, so how much of your time, effort, energy, thoughts are consumed with what you and your family will wear, what you will eat, and where you will be sheltered. And he says, For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father, He knows what you need. He knows that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Hmm. Now, a lot of us will actually miss that part about seeking first the kingdom, and we'll get into this thing of, well, how much? And that's this issue that goes around in the, in the world of the church, in the life of believers all the time. Well, well, how much is enough? Because I venture to say that everyone in the room actually has more than most of the people that this was written to. So most of you, despite what your conditions are, you have way more than the people that he was talking with. So at some point, we start asking this question, well, well, how much is enough? And how much is, is too much? And what we find is that the church has gotten into these two real extreme camps on this issue. And somehow we need to sort this out. Because most of us are somewhere in the middle and we get tugged from either side. 
So what are the two sides? Well, one is this thing that, that being poor is pious, that, that being poor is more holy than, than anyone else. In fact, early on in the life of the church, there were men that separated themselves out. They took what's called a vow of poverty. Have you ever heard of that? They took a vow of poverty. Many of them would leave the world, literally leave the world, go into the desert. In fact, one was known to live on a ledge with virtually nothing, no shelter, nothing. Uh, fasting and trying to live out this command that he saw in Scripture where he told the rich young ruler to go sell everything. He took it to the extreme and he did. And, and so over the years, the... The early church, as it's moved on, has always had a bit of an uncomfortable relationship with things, with money and things. And so one extreme has been just get rid of everything and you'll be holy, kind of like the rich young ruler. But then others look into Scripture and they find that we're able to ask God and He says that He'll give us whatever we ask. And so there's an extreme over here that says, well, if you're not just affluent and flourishing in life that something's wrong with you, that everybody's supposed to be prosperous and everybody's supposed to have everything. You ever heard of that? Yeah, now I don't know if the first camp has a name, but the second camp, they'll have some names associated with them. You ever heard of like name it and claim it and all these different things? And a lot of times we throw names at each other and, and it's kind of like poopy face. What does that mean? I don't know, just you're a poopy face. You're this or that. You're a name and claim it. You're a poor and righteous. And, you know, we, we like to name each other. And so, I need a way to sort this out. I don't know about you. To see, God, what is it that you want me to, to have? And I have found the answer in 3 John. How, what's the last time you've been to 3 John? 3 John, oddly enough, written by the Apostle John. Thus his name. If those of you who have a Bible, the best way to get to it is go all the way to the end and start turning left. Small books, small letters written by the Apostle John. And for me, this introduction to this letter begins to sort some things out for me. And so here's what he says. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. When I read that, I said, oh, I can, I can identify with that. Listen to what he, he says. Beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. As I was watching you guys come in this morning, my heart was filling up like, like John who said, couldn't help but feel love. For this man Gaius, as I watched you guys come through the room, I'm like, these are my beloved. These are the, the people that you guys have taken my heart. <laughs> Jeff came during the worship and he said, turn around and look. And he said, these are people that you love. But you know what? Y'all are people that love me. <laughs> so how is it this man John can speak so belovingly about all these people? You see, he is the disciple who refers to himself as the beloved of God. John is the very disciple who got in contact with the love of God. This reality where he said, you know what? Jesus loves me. Just like we would sing the song today, right? Jesus loves me. Well, it wasn't written back then, but John got the point. This, this man, Jesus, he, 
He loves me. And it turned him into something that he didn't even know anything about from a, from a hard man to this man who has this heart that looks at people and says, I love you. You want me to tell you what I love? I love the fact that I look around this room and I see some men, and y'all are men. And you like to hunt and you like to fish and you, you, your skin's dark from being out in the sun and you got some muscles and all that. I, I wanted muscles, but apparently God said I didn't need them. And so you're strong men, but you got tender hearts too because you know that you're loved by God. And, and that's what happens is, is when you get in touch with the love of God, it begins to change you. And it begins to change the way that you see people so that when he sees this man Gaius, he says, I'm praying for you. Now, this is a disciple of Jesus, one of the apostles. So I'm thinking if he prayed it, it's okay. He says, I'm praying for you that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Wow. The Jews used to have this greeting and a farewell that they would say to each other. It was shalom. Have you ever heard of it? Shalom. In fact, most countries that you go into have greetings and farewells. Uh, when I was in college, I studied Middle East politics. And in the Middle East, they have a word, salam alaikum. And then you respond back, salam uh, Yeah. And, and so you travel around, and it's natural for people to want good things for the people that they love. Would you agree? That when you love somebody, your desire for them is good. And so we greet each other with these words. The Jews greeted each other with Shalom. Here's what Shalom meant. It wasn't just peace. Most of us think it's agreeing to just as peace be unto you. But here's what's wrapped up in that word. It is to be content. It is to be complete. To be whole. For there to be well-being, harmony, prosperity, the absence from strife and discord. And so when that greeting was offered, it was offered to people as a greeting, as a farewell. <laughs> and then Jesus comes. And guess how he comes? As the Prince of Peace. Y'all didn't get that. I don't think you got it. Because when Jesus came, he comes as the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, who says, I have come to bring you contentment, to make you complete, to make sure that you're whole, <laughs> that there'll be well-being and harmony and prosperity in the absence of strife and discord. And you say, but, but Kevin, there is not an absence of strife and discord. You see, the Prince of Peace first comes to live inside of you. And you see, it once the, the strife and discord is out of you, then it moves into your family. And then once the strife and discord moves out of that, it moves into peace in your family. Then you've got authority to move it into every area. It moves into the church. We're supposed to be the body where there is no strife and discord. Why? Because we love each other. Because we're the beloved. And then when it takes over the church, then the world looks at us and it says, that's how you will know that you, they are, that you are my disciples. It's how you love. One another. So the Prince of Peace comes. And there are people who will tell you that this was just a greeting. It really didn't mean anything to you. But I will say this. If we as people, I'll, I'll use a similar scripture from what is in, in Matthew, where he says this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask? I would say this. If we know how to wish each other well, and I don't know a parent who doesn't wake up every morning and want the absolute best for their children. Can I get an amen? amen? In every area of their life, right? It's like, yeah, I want them to be rich, but I'd love for them to be rich and sick today. Huh? Or today, I don't want to be sick, but I want to be poor. You know, I hope my child grows up to be poor. I hope, you know, I hope my child grows up and goes to prison. Right? Ask any mother who has ever had a person that, a, a child that has spent time in prison, and they'll tell you they never wanted that. So I would, I would say this then. Does God want us to have peace? Does God want us to prosper? I would say yes, because it's in the heart of every father. It's in the heart of every good father. And so God wants us to have this peace and prosperity. The question is, how do you find define prosperity? So for just a moment, if you had to define the word, let's say I was calling you up here, and I'm not. But let's just say I was calling you up here, and you had to define the word prosperous for us. How would, how would you define it? Well, I figure if the word uses it, I ought to look to the word. So I'm going to the Greek. Is that okay? I'm going there for this word prosperous, which is yoodo. And it means to succeed in reaching, to succeed in business affairs, to be prosperous, to succeed on a, on a journey, to, to flourish, if you will. Hmm. Prosper. And so I want to talk to you about that for a moment. Because the key to me is what he says toward the end. He says that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. What does he say next? Just as your soul prospers. You know what I want for you today? I want your soul to prosper. I want your soul to prosper. What does it mean for your soul to prosper? You see, John was telling Gaius, he said, I, I want you to prosper, but I want you to, to prosper according to how your soul is doing. And your soul is doing well, because look at verse 3. He said, for I was glad when the brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. Ooh, don't you want to be accused of that? Hmm? If you're going to be accused of something, wouldn't you want somebody to walk up and say, you know, oh man, oh Ty, she's walking in the truth. You ought to just see her. You ought to see how she's just... What does it mean to walk in truth? It means that you're living out the truth of God's Word. So let's see if I, we can back this thing up and do a little addition. Can we? Do a little math. That's scary because I'm not good at it. So you start here. Here's the starting point of the equation. To be prosperous in your soul. And I would tell you that if you are going to be prosperous in your soul, then you have to take delight in God. That is the definition of a prosperous soul. It is a person who takes delight in God. Because Scripture tells me that those who delight in the Lord, oh man, good things, right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> Now, let me tell you what that says to me. It says, Kevin, if you will delight in me, I'll let you have me. That's what it says. It says, if you want to delight in me, I'll let you. If you want to take peace and joy in me, I'll let you. 
And so it begins with this delight in God, and then it moves on. Once you delight in God, you ought to delight to walk in truth. Can I tell you that? There are a lot of people who came down to altars and had prayers, but they didn't learn how to delight in God. And so when they walked away, they didn't have any desire for the truth. And I would say that's not possible. You didn't, did you want to hear that? that? That it's not possible. That if you're going to delight yourself in God, it comes with it that you're going to delight yourself in the truth of God. That you're going to want to walk in His ways. Which then, if I'm going to walk in truth, it draws me back to this word called wisdom. Can we talk about wisdom for a moment? Some of y'all are smiling. I want to talk to you about wisdom. If I think about wisdom, I have to think about a man named Solomon who wrote a book called Proverbs. And in this book called Proverbs, check this out. Most people say that Proverbs are these wise sayings, and and that is true. That's what that word means in Hebrew. It is a, a wise saying. But you know what it also means? It means reign. How to reign. How to reign in life. Did you hear that? Now, if you know the story, how many of you know, grew up knowing the story? I'm going to tell it to some people that don't know it real quick. So Solomon is the, the king, and his father is David. And he's asked the question. God asked him this question. What would you have me do for you? And Solomon says he got the answer from his father. Because it says that David told him growing up, his father David told him, Son, seek wisdom. Seek understanding. So when the question was posed to him, Solomon, this is the question from God, okay? Solomon, what is it that you would have me give you? Solomon says, Lord, I got this great people I'm supposed to rule over, that I'm supposed to be king over. God, will you grant me wisdom that I might walk in your truth? And God told Solomon, he said, Solomon, you have answered well. And because you have not sought for honor and for wealth and prosperity, I'm going to give you wisdom. But I'm also going to give you honor and prosperity and wealth. Wow. I need to ask you a question. Are you ready for it? God is asking you, what is it that you would have me give you? What is it that you want? He asked that. And I am convinced that He gives us what we want. I'm thoroughly convinced. People are sitting around saying, I just pray for stuff and I never get what I want. I don't think that's true. I think you get exactly what you want. Half the time, you're just wise enough not to be able to handle it and so you lose it. Mm. I might need to say that in a different way for somebody who didn't get it. I might even need to preach it to myself one more time because along the way, I can lose sight of it myself. I believe that God looks at us and He says, my child, what do you want? I'll give it to you. And He gives us what we want. And a lot of times we want some stuff that's not Him. We want anything but Him. And He actually gives it to us. And then when we get it, we find out we didn't really want it. That's why He looked at Solomon. He says, Solomon, you have done well. You have asked for wisdom. 
And now I can give you all these other things. And so that's why. Can we go over to Proverbs for a moment? I, I want to read something to you, if I, if I may. Look over in the very beginnings of Proverbs. Here's what he said. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Now let me stop there. Proverbs also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to know how to begin in wisdom, you have to begin with the fear of the Lord. Not a fear that causes you to run from God, but a fear that causes you to be in awe of Him and draws you to Him. Yeah, so that's where we start. Solomon said, start with this, a fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And then look at what wisdom. It says, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Now listen to this. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. In all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all those who hold her fast. Did you get that? Proverbs and Solomon is telling us, if you will seek God, and if you will walk in truth like Gaius was walking in truth, and pursue wisdom, then those things lead to a life that works. Can I just say that? Wisdom works. Most of the time our life doesn't work because it's not that the devil is so bad after you. Now, he's after you. But in most cases, it's because we just lack wisdom. We're just not walking in truth. That's why I would recommend to you that if you say, oh, I think I'm a little shy on wisdom, I'd say pick up the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. You can read one every day. In fact, this past week, I read through the book of Proverbs twice just so I'd be ready for today and so he says that if you seek wisdom you will get all these other things just like Solomon but then look at what he says over in chapter 23 do not weary yourself to gain wealth cease from your consideration of it when you set your eye on it it is gone for wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle and flies toward the heavens some of you ought to go, that's what happened. <laughs> Did anybody have an aha moment with that but me? That's what happened. I sought for wisdom. I sought for prosperity, and it went through my hand like grains of sand. I sought for wealth. I should have sought for a prosperous soul. I should have sought for a relationship. Now with us, with Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, who takes us from this place where, you know, before you knew Jesus, sin was reigning in your life. Did you know that? That's what Romans 5 says. It says, before you knew Jesus, you, sin was reigning over you. But it says, once we accept Jesus Christ, guess what's supposed to happen? It says, you're supposed to reign in life. Somebody don't know that, though. So I'm going to show it to you. Go to Romans 5. 
Verse 17, for if by the transgression of one death reigned through the one, he's talking about Adam, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Yes. Did you know you're supposed to reign in life? Yes. And the way you do it, let's do the math equation one more time because if you're like me, you need practice. It begins with a prosperous soul. What is a prosperous soul? It is a soul that delights in God and God alone. Who desires to walk in truth. That truth is what? The revelation of the wisdom of God. And if you seek wisdom, it is supposed to go well for you. Now there are times that things go wrong, right? Things come up. And so it doesn't say that your life is going to be perfect. What it says is you will be prepared. That was a good word, and that just came to me. Thank you, Lord. That's a good word, isn't it? Yes. That you will be prepared. You will be prepared when it, when it comes. And, and so, that is what righteousness and wisdom does. And then, I want to see how this works out in the world, because it, it works in us first. I've talked about this before. Do I have to go back over that? So many times we look at the world and we want everybody else to get their act together and we think that if they get their act together, then it'll be okay with us. But the reality is it's supposed to start in us and spread out from us into the world. And so what what I'm, I'm bringing to you today is this. is this thing starts inside of us, but it has to be expressed in the world. That's why Proverbs 29.2 says this, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice. Mm. You ever been in an environment where righteous people were moving? You ever been in a family that was full of righteous people? Mm. I I remember one time, I'm going to try to do um, from small to big and see if this makes sense. I remember one time I was invited over years ago to Pat and Chris Beery's house. And when I walked in the room, I said, ooh, it sure feels peaceful in here. Remember me telling you that? I said, it, it sure feels peaceful in here. And as I'm sitting there, I'm just feeling, literally feeling tangible peace. And I'm sitting there and I'm getting a little bit jealous. I'm like, I'm going to have me some of that peace in my house. I'm, I'm going to have that. I don't know how, but I'm going to have that in my house. You know what they had? They, they delighted in the Lord. And they were walking in truth. And walking in wisdom. And it begins to set things right in the house. And you can feel it when you walk in. So I went home. Decided, you know what? I got to do that too. <laughs> and it, nothing excites me more. Than when somebody says. Man, I feel, I feel at peace in your home. I feel welcome in your home. Molly brought a blanket one time. and She left the house and she came back and she said, I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to hang out by your pond with my blanket. <laughs> and for me, I was like, yes! <laughs> it's there! <laughs> it worked! But it it worked with some stumbling and bumbling, I think, for me. Because, again, you don't want to go home today and go, oh, now, I'm going to have me some peace in my house, too. And, 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 And like, okay, peace come. 
and, and you can't figure you you can't even seek for peace. What do you have to seek first? You got to seek him. You got to seek him. He's the start of it all. And, and then it moves out from there. And, and then when you go to work, if you've got a cubicle or you own the business, when they come in your cubicle or when they come in your business, they ought to say, it feels different in here. It's, it's different that the, the whole room can be in chaos and you walk into the room and you're the man of peace for the hour, the woman of peace for the hour. And, and once you get in there, you begin to change things. And it's why it's because you carry God. You carry the Prince of Peace. And you carry a reigning in your life that says, hold on, we ain't having this chaos. We're not having this disorder. And we're not having this backbiting. And we're not having this, this stuff where everybody's trying to get ahead of each other. We're not going to have that. We're going to have some peace. Now, how do you do that? Most of the time, you don't even have to say too much. You just live that way. Just like they never told me, now when you come in here, you're going to feel some peace. They never said it. You don't have to walk in a room and say, I'm about to control the room. <laughs> now, come, we all smart enough to know that's not going to work, right? Okay. You just be who you are, a child of God. And you just carry that. And, and so it says in, in Proverbs that 29 too, it says, when the righteous increase, that says, become great. When the righteous become great, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, the people groan. Hmm. You ever been in a place where the wicked ruled? Yeah. You ever been in a house where the wicked ruled? Yeah. Hmm. A community where the wicked ruled? Yeah. You ever went to work for somebody where the wicked ruled? And it makes everybody around groan. And we would rather shout, shout at the darkness than to carry a great light. I'll say it one more time. Because there are times you'll want to shout at the darkness. You'll want to pick up the paper and start shouting. Man, when I got the call about those young men being shot again, I got, I got mad and, and I wanted to shout at the darkness. And I said, you know what? There's not a problem with darkness. It's just as dark as it's ever been. The problem is, is all the people of God going to share a great light? Oh. Mm. So when the righteous increase, but then it says this. It says there, there are three things that cause the earth to quake and four that the earth simply cannot bear. And here's what it says. One of them is, it's when a slave becomes a king. When a slave becomes a king. What does that mean, when a slave becomes a king? It means when you do not know how to rule over the circumstances and the situation in your life, guess what happens when we give you a promotion? Ooh. Because I bet somebody in here has prayed for a promotion. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen if we get more of you? Hmm? What's going to happen if we get more of you? Here's what I believe is going to happen. We're going to get more of Jesus. That's what I believe. That's what I believe God is taking you. That is what it is when you, when you delight in the Lord. Your soul becomes prosperous. You begin to walk in truth like Gaius. When you begin to walk in truth, you walk in wisdom and the things of the world become settled because we are supposed to reign in life. Have I made that point clear? Just checking. So, 
Solomon's reign is a foreshadowing of the reign of Christ when He comes. And we are those who carry that into the earth. This, this walking in truth. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. When I went to India years ago, it's probably been about 12 years ago, uh, the Christians in India were just messing the whole place up. I mean, they were just wreaking havoc on stuff. And you're like, well, how was that happening? What they would do, now India has a caste system. Okay, so there are priests and there are upper class and, and then there are people who are just poor and you don't get to move out of those classes. It's, it's not like a America where you can, you can work and, and move out of those classes even if it's hard. You just don't get to because you were born into it. It's like you're a card-carrying person. So you don't get educated. You don't get anything. But here's what the Christians would do. They would go in and I guess they took James, uh, the book of James, literally, because, you know, it says pure and undefiled religions taking care of orphans and widows. Yeah, well, that's what they did. They went and grabbed up all the orphans, all the people that nobody wanted, and they brought them in and they started teaching them the love of God. And they made them mighty warriors of God. Those kids can pray. I've got a friend today. His name is Spurgeon. And he owns, a, well, he owns an orphanage. I guess you say owns an orphan in a school. And he takes in everybody that they don't want. <laughs> and he trusts God to provide. Now, prosperity there doesn't look like prosperity here. But I'll tell you, he's prospering. Because he's got his things in order. And he teaches those kids English. And you know what happens when you know English? <laughs> you become marketable. <laughs> and now... They want those kids because those kids know what a lot of people don't know. Those people are sitting down reading books and a lot of people over there can't. It blew the caste system up and that is exactly what it's doing. It is blowing the system up. Because why? Because some Christians went in, did what God said, and now they're releasing this army. This army. And those kids, they walk out and they graduate these kids and they go out and they give away everything. So this is not about how much money you have. They give it all away. We've got some people in this room that have decided to, to give away those things. Why? So that they might spread the gospel. Why? That's a call on their life. In fact, those young men and women in India, they say this. They look up and they've got the martyrs on the wall. That's right, the people who died for the gospel. They've got them on the wall and they say, I want to go be one of them. And you're like, as an American, you're like, excuse me, what? They're like, yeah, I want to go and die for Jesus. You, and, and for us, we're like, what? And then you look at Revelations and it says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even unto death. And I will tell you that even though they didn't have as much as we have, I'll tell you they're some of the most prosperous people in the world. Because <laughs> they got their stuff in order. <laughs> and so I want to just ask a simple question for you today in closing. There's a, a song that we sing, It Is Well. It was written by a man who had lost his wife and lost his kids. And he was headed to, uh, to, to try to make amends with things and get things in order, but he lost everyone that he loved, and he pins this song. It is well with my soul. <clears throat> it is well with my soul. 
I want to ask you a question today. Is it well with your soul? Is it well? Is your soul prospering today? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what we want. We want everybody. That is exactly what I want. It's for the entire room to say, yes, it is well with me. Yes, my, my soul is prospering. And, and not everything is... I, I look out at you and, and y'all are in different spots. Everybody's in a different place. So you don't look at someone and judge them by another person. You just look at that person and say, how is it that we can move forward so that you might reign in life? You know, what is it that we've got to do? But, but we want to make sure that we've got the beginning right, which is this. Do you delight in God? Yeah? So just for a moment, can I talk to the person that might be in the room that says, you know what? Sin is reigning in my life. Sin's reigning. And my life's a mess. And I would say, yep, and it's going to stay that way. That is the trajectory of sin that it leads to death. And I would like to ask you if you would desire for it to be well with you. And I would tell you that if you desire for it to be well with your soul, that it can happen in an instant. As soon as you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, as soon as you yield to Him, as soon as you decide that you know what? You are in sin and you turn your heart to Him. He receives you in as the beloved of God. 